Welcome to the Post Ride Cafe with your hosts, Sam and Aaron. The podcast all about cycling. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And welcome to episode 28. How's it going, man? It's pretty good. I am uh, not as tired as I was yesterday. Yesterday, I was just wiped out. Today, felt pretty good. I think it's a little bit cooler than than uh, it was here yesterday, so that's nice. Nice. I'm, I'm not tired at all. I uh, haven't been riding my bike, but I actually, we went, she convinced me or dragged me, one of the two, out of town. So I'm up in Flagstaff enjoying some reprieve from the 105 to 110 degree weather. Dude, that's that's what it's all about. Oh yeah. Well, we brought the horses and all the dogs and everything, and so it was a little bit of a production. You know, I had to get up at like four thirty so we could beat the traffic so the horses don't get hot in the trailer and stuff. So uh, I did a little hiking, so that's good. I've been getting a little bit of exercise. I haven't hiked in quite a while. Yeah, it's like a whole whole different muscle group. You're just like, uh, I'm out of shape for this. Oh, definitely. Anyway. Uh, real quick, topics today episode, we're going to finish our team breakdowns. It's almost kind of sad, but we're finishing up with Dakuna Quickstep. We also have some cycling news with Nairo's back on the bike. Jasper Stoyven extends with Trek, and they finally released the Tour de France stage profiles. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, but, it's a big deal. Yeah, before we get into that, how can people find us? Yeah, they can get to us uh, at Post Ride Cafe on Instagram and at Post Ride Cafe on Twitter. That's right. And this all be in the show notes. We also have a YouTube channel that we put up where we can watch our show, but we decided it would be good to use all this footage you've been getting on your bike. And so it's just your video of your bike rides with our audio kind of overlaid. So kind of cool to check out. We'll explore that a little bit more uh, down the road, but just trying something different. Yeah, I should have a good one uh, coming down peak to peak highway uh, and uh, through Lions. So It'll be pretty nice, I think. Nice. Well, let's get right into our Strava stats of the week. Stats. Uh, yeah, so I'm crushing it. I had 20 miles this <laughs> week, uh, 250 feet. What about you, dude? I don't know if I can compete with that. Um, now, I had 190 miles and 15,000 feet of climbing. Yeah, pretty good week for you. Um, so as far as my ride of the week, you know, obviously I had one ride. Basically, it's just been so hot, and I can't ride in the morning because I work so early and uh, I'm just not going to get up at 3 a.m. So I ride after work and I rode once. It was a nice chill zone two ride. I figured I'm going to try to, you know, during this heat wave, I want to just try to just ride my bike. So I've been doing that low cadence stuff and it went well. And then I couldn't ride later this week because I had some stuff come up and then we went out of town this weekend. So it was kind of a, a week I just said, you know what, I need a rest week, basically. And that's what I decided to do. But that ride was really good. I'm really liking this low cadence stuff. The one issue I have, uh, and another reason why I didn't ride later in the week, was I had some saddle sore issues. So i just really uncomfortable right now on, the, on sitting on a bike. But uh, Which I think is a little bit related to the low cadence because I'm putting out a, it's slower and you're putting out a little more power. And so I think I'm just rubbing um, more so I have to update my saddle height and I might just need to just spend the money and get a new saddle yeah I think we talked a little bit of like it it creates or or it shows issues with positioning and uh, like different strengths and weaknesses when you're putting out a little more power I, I was saying I always have that when I'm in the wind it, it's just you're putting out more and it's hard to get comfortable and that always like causes saddle sores and things for me yeah, and I think the reality is not like it's a lot of power, but just the whole ride is at that power range in a zone two situation, and so uh, my core gives out a little bit more. So it's just showing my weaknesses. So it's I still like the training, and I like how I feel when I'm done. I don't feel exhausted, but I do need to do some more off-the-bike preparation work or training or, or however you want to call it to, to be ready for it. So that's on me, and uh, we'll see how I go. It's too damn hot to do core work in my house. I was too damn hot there for everything. It's I feel like right now is just basically getting through the summer and like you were saying, just trying to keep some kind of shape. It's opposite for most places, but out there it's it's pretty bad. Dude, off topic real quick before we jump into your ride of the week. Finally got my bike rack. You know, with the pandemic, everything's been like delayed shipping. 
So I ordered a bike rack. I know I got a hitch on my car, on my SUV, like, I don't know, three or four months ago or something. And I ordered a bike rack like two months ago and I finally got it. So I, I haven't put it in, but at some point I'll be able to use it. Dude, I can't wait. Then I don't have to drive every time. It's true. That was partly why I got it. But no, it'll be nice. I mean, it's so much easier just to plop it on and, and zip tie it down, you know, with the little things. It's just going to be a lot nicer. For sure. Uh, but yeah, so for me, uh, I rode, been riding with uh, who I was riding with last year, Sanina's in the Pro's Closet. They do a Tuesday ride. And uh, this week, we went up to Jamestown over Old Stage and Lee Hill. So a lot of climbing. Uh, and it was raining, uh, but it was pretty rad. Like, it just, once we got maybe halfway up or the last section of Jamestown, it was basically a race up and then regroup and race down and over uh i also hit i think my personal high speed which if i was looking down i probably would have hit the brakes uh, i'm saying <laughs> i hit 53 and we yeah. were we were talking because everybody was kind of just looking at their their uh, garment or, or whatever afterwards and we were just like, does this seem right? Like, because I was like, mine was pretty high. And then I saw some other guy, I think the top person speed wise hit 67. And I was like, we were like, those were wet roads too. I was like, this, that's wild. Like, yeah, normally wouldn't Very be taking strange. those kinds of risks, but it's pretty awesome. And Lee Hill is, I think that's where everybody hit it on. It's got a pretty good descent, probably negative 12% or or so on the backside it's it's a good climb but it it shortens the ride but adds a lot more climbing feet yeah but yeah it was just awesome like everybody was kind of in it and everybody was drenched and it was just fun that's awesome yeah it looked um you know a lot of good climbing out there man so one day uh i'll be able to go out there again and do more of these rides myself but it'll be a little time on that one i got other priorities i was gonna say i don't know even where to use this climbing when i get back i guess Maybe I'll try to go for another uh, Somo PR or something, but <laughs> there's nothing like that out here, out there. That's true. Well, we'll have to go pretty early on a silent Sunday for sure. Yeah, true. All right, well, let's get into some cycling news. Uh, first topic I wanted to discuss was Nairo back on his bike. You know, he had that crash a couple weeks back, maybe a week and a half ago now, and the doctor was like, hey, complete rest for two weeks. Uh, but it seems he only rested for about a week and got back on and was doing a little training down there in Columbia. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, because I think that was the biggest, kind of the biggest thing that we had seen this year so far or uh, of unexpected anyways, that he was kind of getting back into like awesome shape. And yeah. then that happened and just kind of really bummed out because we really wanted to see that resurgence and of his, you know, peak form that he had several years back and it seemed like he was getting there. So I hope this didn't really affect him too much. Yeah. I mean, his beginning, you know, when he left Movistar to go to Arkea, you know, it was kind of like, why would he go to a non world tour team, you know? And at the time it made some sense because it just seemed like he just wasn't the Naira who used to be. He definitely seemed like he was over his prime and, you know, it was kind of surprising to me when I realized he was only like 30 or something. And so, um, He's just been in the world tour for so long, but I think just his relationship with the team and management and other riders, I think he just needed a fresh, you know, team. And so he looked great at the beginning of the season and then all this stuff happened. And so, you know, seeing him crash right before we're a month out from the tour and a um, little over a month. So everyone's kind of bummed, but now that he's back on his bike and doing a little training, I think it could be very good for him. Uh, you know, never good to crash, but he's going to have four to five weeks to get his legs back. And I think that'll be perfect. So, yeah, I hope so. We'll, we'll have more to talk about that in the coming weeks, I'm sure. But it uh, looks like real quick, another topic was Jasper Stoyven, who was a, a guy we were talking about. We weren't sure his contract's up this season. And there's a, he had multiple teams interested in him. Israel Startup Nation was one of them. Uh, but he ended up just extending with Trek till 2022, which I think is a great move. I mean, him being linked to Israel Startup Nation didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, you have Niels Pollitt, who's thinking about leaving the team as well, and there wasn't a big, you know, they don't have a lot of guys on their roster right now, so it's kind of a 
a risk. And so I think him being with Trek, they both seem to really enjoy each other and they seem to be building the team around him anyway. And they have, you know, some good quality guys that they're bringing in and just have a decent, you know, classics team. So it makes sense that he's uh, there and obviously Trek's my team. So I'm, I'm happy to have him uh, extend. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the, the big part of that is with like Froome going over there that you don't know what type of team that's going to become and it's seeming that it's going to be a very GC centered team. So if you're already in a good place, you really don't want to leave to an unknown and you don't know how much support you're going to get and rebuilding. And I'm sure he's not super young. So it's, you don't really want to get into that situation unless you know, all right, it's going to be basically everything's lined up for me already. Yeah. And that's what he has with Trek and they've, they've shown the interest and they want, you know, they loved Cancellara and they love that classics. That's like their main thing they enjoy. And so having Jasper Stoyven, who was looking really good before the season, you know, took a, a hiatus. And so I think they were like, we really need to lock him up. And I think it's going to be, I think it's good news for them. Yeah, for sure. And finally, one last topic before we delve into our main topic. The Tour de France finally had announced all the stage profiles. So one thing, you know, we I'm looking forward to, we have our own little in, uh, internal competition between you, me, and a buddy uh, picking to stages, and then we get a trophy at the end, uh, whoever gets the most points for all the Grand Tours. And so I'm hoping I can uh, win all three this year. I, I only won two <laughs> out of three. But uh, so anyway, they got all the stages released, and looking at the parkour, like, I don't know. It's not what I expected. It, it seemed, you know, a week or so ago, I was talking about there only being one time trial and it's uphill. And, you know, this, this Tour de France is very focused on climbing, but, you know, it's not high altitude stuff either. So the time trialists don't seem to have an advantage. The high altitude Colombians don't seem to have an advantage. And, and uh, the speculation is always, you know, they're really building this Tour de France for like Pinot or, you know, the French always want a French person to, you know, they try to, edge the needle over and, and tip the scales a little bit. But I will say looking at all these stages and, and we'll probably cover them in more detail in the following weeks uh, as we prepare for the tour de France, but it's actually a little more exciting looking than I, I first thought it was going to be. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I don't know what it's really geared towards, but it, it seems exciting. Like regardless, like a lot of the stages, they get some uphill finishes. They have, stuff with uh i think like back in the day they had um what was it joaquin rodriguez for the vuelta was designing stages and they're just like super lumpy going over three four cat fours i feel like there's a little more of that vibe going on so maybe they're trying to break it up and push somebody to do a long distance attack i think it's second stage they do two cat ones into a cat two and then there's like a little bump at the end as well. So it's it's not easy for sure. There's nothing just straightforward and flat for the most part. Yeah. Well, the you know, for as long as I've watched the tour, which granted has only been around a decade more or less, maybe 11 years or 12 years, it's always been the first week. The, the, the issue with the tour is it's very cookie cutter. You know, the first week's very processional. There's a lot of flat stages, a lot of sprinting maybe a little transition stage here or there. You know, they've always done these departs from other countries, so there's a lot of things to consider. And so it's always, the first week has always been sort of pretty boring and non-GC focused, you yeah. know. And this year they've decided, I, honestly, I think that they're tired of the Giro and the Volta just eating their lunch as far as excitement and, and people talking about well, it. Well, yeah, and I, I think they got a taste of it last year and they were like, okay, this is kind of resurgence of interest where I think like you were saying it was kind of on the downslide of to the other two of exciting. And with last year's, I think they want to continue with that. And I, I think that's why they have, you know, like the uphill time trial in there and they're trying out some new things to make it more interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. So there looks like, you know, there, there's a lot less sprint focused finishes that are like clearly sprint stages where they're all flat the whole time. You know, some of these stages that do have some climbing in them, they do end with a relatively flat or they don't look as 
they look like it's going to be tough for the sprint teams, but it's still possible. So there's definitely less sprint, clear sprint stages than there has been in the past, but there's still plenty, you know, five or six for people to compete on. But there just seems to be more climbing in general, but there seems to be more, but not GC climbing stages, more of those like, I think we have an opportunity to see more breakaways or yeah. team tactics in GC um, there's one stage in particular, I think it's stage eight or nine. Those two stages are both I'm very excited for. It's before the first rest day, and they're not uphill finishes per se. I think one of them, I don't have it in front of me. I'm, we're going to do more now. We just came out yesterday, but um, the, they're both lumpy enough that if a GC team wants to try to break up the race, it's definitely possible. And I think it's, I, I'm not going to remember. One of them is a steep climb. That's not very long, but the last four kilometers are all over 10% average. And then it has, and then it's like from the top, it's like 15 kilometers to the finish with half of those being descent and then a little bit of a flat or whatever. So it's a really, it's like an opportunity for someone, I don't think he's in it, but like a nibbly type stage, you know, where they would attack at the end, descend really hard and then solo to the finish. So I think somebody like Roglic or even Philippe, even, you know, could really hammer something like that and bomb that descent and make a, a break and, and really hit it. Because 4K at 10%, you know, Roglic is very good at dosing his power, and, and I could see him really, or Jumbo Visma in general, really looking for that stage to really break up the race. Yeah, and it's I feel like it's just one of those things where if you want to go, go about it a certain way, you can just hurt somebody every day and just kind of break them, like, like how they, I think they were trying to do that on Philippe last year, where just you know, trying to get to him like in the high mountains and trying to get to him like once, once they could, but he, you know, he could also do the reverse and and go on a, on a solo like you were saying as well. Pretty yeah. cool. Well, like you know, there is no high mountains, so that's that's exciting. That's interesting. And so this will be, when you actually sit and think about it, it, it does have the potential to be a really interesting Tour de France. Which is always a, a a fear because the more excited you are for it, it always seems to just be nothing. It just ends up being really boring. So I'm hoping that's not the case. But I think there's a confluence of people are fresh because they've been sitting at home for a couple months. They get to spend time with their families. And so I think they're going to be a little more rejuvenated and more excited. And I think there's going to be a lot more uh, break success. But I also think the GC riders are going to be – the teams are going to be a little different tactically. And I think – you know, like I said before, the first week is always sort of a procession. There might be one stage with like a little bit of a, a lump at the end, but that's mostly for like the Joaquin Rodriguez or those short punchier guys for like classics and never for GC too much. So a lot of GC riders are used to coming in and the first week is sort of just getting their legs and being focused and, and staying out of any echelons. But now that we have two or three mountain stages, like right off the get go, I think it could have a big impact on GC, like right out of the right out of stage two, like you were saying. Yeah, I just hope it's not one of those where they just kind of the GC guys let the break go and just nobody pulls them back. And I feel like I don't know if it was the Vuelta or Giro last year; they just did that over and over again. And I yeah, mean, it's cool for them, but it's it's kind of boring because you know they could have caught them and done something if they wanted, but they were just. It's like, oh, we'll save it again. Like everyone's just saving it and saving it. So hopefully it's it's raced in a different style, kind of like how like uh, uh, Perry Nice was Perry raced nice. where, it's, where yeah. it's just all out. So kind of hoping well, for that. Well, it is, it is. I mean, that's always the hope, but it is three weeks, right? And so the, the fear is they don't want to go out of the gate too fast and then, you know, be too tired. But people have a lot of time off, man. They're going to be... They're going to be fired up. But I think there's going to be a few more breakaway winners this year um, than there was the, the previous years. So we'll see Thomas DeGent. I think he'll get another stage this year. That'd be cool. Yeah. But we'll get more details as we kind of have a chance to actually review them and make some more notes. But uh, I just kind of glanced up here while I'm on a mini vacay. So just kind of looked and I thought it was pretty interesting. So we shall see. Uh, real quick, actually, you know what I saw there was this week was the anniversary of Chris Froome running up the Mont Ventoux. So I thought <laughs> I wanted to throw that out. And I'm not sure if you got to rewatch that video. I know it's one of your favorite cycling highlights. Dude, I'll always be bitter about that. I'm just like, you're just going to throw out the rules here. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the actual rules are, right? Like, I know you have to like finish with your bike, but 
I don't. I mean, it doesn't make sense either because when he did it, I was like, "Well, this doesn't seem right." I think you cannot advance without your bicycle, and he ran forward. So it's, I feel like that's pretty clear. Yeah. Well, it was a really messed up situation. (laughs) So they did the best they could. Anyway, I just wanted to Barbie. I know how much you love it, but let's get right into our main topic. We're completing uh, our team breakdown. So moment of silence for the team breakdowns. Uh, They are now complete, but let's get right into that. That's Dequinic Quick Step. So they are ranked number one, obviously. We'll do uh, 2019 stats uh, first, same as 2018. Very consistent team. They had 68 victories, 35 of those on the world tour. Ten of them are one-day races. So Alaphilippe won La Flèche Lone, Milan San Remo, Strade Bianchi, uh, Gilbert won uh, the Paris-Roubaix Hyman, Hyman, and then uh, <laughs> Stebar won E3 Binkbank, Omloop, and Evan Venepole won the Classica San Sebastian. Viviani won the Prudential Ride London Surrey Classic, the uh, Cyclassics Hamburg, and the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race. So... Obviously, a very one one day team orient. To compare that to 2018, they had 30, 73 victories and 38 of them in the World Tour, and seven of those one days. So, you know, just doing what they've always done. Um, how, how what's their identity? Yeah, they're definitely a classics team. Stages and you know they're wolf back riding together. So they're something else when it comes to one day and and uh, classics and stage racing. Yeah. Definitely. Well, they uh, picked up two riders this season. A uh, big one is Sam Bennett, and they also picked up Shane Arkbold. So uh, they did lose a few guys, but that's pretty common for them. Um, they're not. They're kind of a revolving door in a sense, and we'll get into that. But they lost Philippe Gilbert, Viviani, Richese, and Enrique Moss. But their key riders are Alaphilippe, Sam Bennett, and... Remco Evenepoel. I'm not sure if you heard of him, but what are your personal thoughts? What do you think about them? I mean, it's a bummer to watch the same team win all the time, but you, you the way that they do it, you kind of you got to forgive them respect for that. Yeah. Well, they the thing is, if they didn't win, it would be a, a supreme disappointment. So. You know, it goes back to what I talked about last week. It's I, I'm always an underdog kind of guy, but I also just enjoy watching a team do what it's supposed to do. And their tactics are just brilliant. Like they take their strong team and they just beat you into submission. And it just like, basically they're just really good at breaking your morale because they're in, let's say, you know, whatever classic they're writing, they're always the favorites to win no matter what. And, they just have four or five guys in the in the final selection, and then they just sit back and do nothing. You know, they have one guy do all the work, and the other two or three just kind of hang out. And, you know, they just get to sit at the back and just coast, and they're just always stronger. And then they'll attack with one guy, but you have to take it seriously because they're strong. And so, you know, they just tactically are very brilliant. And so I can appreciate their stri- uh, their strategy and their tactics, and it just – leads to them winning all the time. So I really enjoy them, but on occasion I would like to see it is tough on some stages where it's just like, man, that's like really sucks, but they're just, if they didn't do what they did, like they would, you would be disappointed as well. Like they're just really utilizing their team in the correct way. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing is like they seemingly at least don't care who wins and they have enough good people where they're maybe not like the absolute best everyone but they're good enough where they can go out. And like you said, a guy goes off, he's, you know, he's, they got to chase him down and then they have somebody else to go up and, and, and go take his spot and there's somebody else. And it's, it, it is really beating people down for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, their approach is really, they don't care about GC on big grand tours. So they don't focus a lot of their money, right? Those types of teams are very expensive. And so Lefebvre is very much like, hey, I want a classics team and I don't want a superstar unless there's a really good superstar, right? He doesn't believe in like, like with his sprinters, he just lets them go. He's like, there's always another kid that's going to come up and be a good sprinter. They need a good train and they need a good environment. Even though you're the best, there's always somebody that's really dang close. and I'm not going to pay you the money. I'd rather get a younger guy and build it up. So 
you know, I don't know how you feel about the, his style of team building and, and how they work together, but the Wolfpack, I mean, it seems genuine enough. Like they all have fun working together because they know the opportunities are going to be there at some of the races. Like there's so many classics that they're just going to find time to win one each person just about. Yeah. I think it's, that's the, the style definitely works for them because it's, you get that younger guy and as long as the system is, is good, you can almost put anybody in there where you, you, like you were saying, you put somebody who like, I, I mean, Sam Bennett, I would say is all, almost the best sprinter. I don't know if I would say he's the best, but they don't, they could throw a top five guy in there and it's perfect. Like they don't have to yeah. put the money in the absolute best because their system is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think Sam Bennett's a top three. Um, it's yeah, really tight I mean, at the top. You know, you have Caleb Ewan, you have Ackerman, you have Viviani seems to be coming back into form. So, I mean, being the, it's not like the, the Cavendish days where it was like Cavendish and then a gap and then whoever was second. Like there's a lot more competition these days, but picking up Sam Bennett was good. Obviously his situation at uh, Bora was not good. And I get their position. We talked about that last week. You know, Ackerman's a very good sprinter. Um, Bennett, I didn't realize was 29. So that's almost, you know, retirement age for a sprinter these days. I mean, unless you're the gorilla, you just go on forever. Well, he's not winning races. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like as far as being a top sprinter, like winning stages, like I love the gorilla, but you know, he's just a support writer and I, I want him to win this year, but he's not obviously a top three sprinter, but yeah, but I it's just thought Sam Bennett was like 24, 25. Oh yeah, no, but yeah, I mean, it's perfect for both of them. Cause it's say he has two or three high end years. Like that's perfect for, for both of them. Like they're probably wouldn't keep him longer than that regardless. Yeah. That's exactly what Kirkstep wants. So yeah, I think it's a good fit for him. I'm interested to see how his, his season develops. I don't know what his schedule is, but yeah, I'm not sure. I am excited for him. I think he'll definitely have a, a good amount of chance to win on this team, and I think he'll be a lot happier than he was near the end of Bora for sure. I would have to think he's riding the tour. I would imagine he is too. I just didn't. I just didn't do any research on that one. Yeah, yeah I was I just thinking with showing. like going in, you know, Evenepoel for the the Giro, that, and probably Alba Philippe is wild card tour that they'll probably just pretty much all else back him for the sprint wins in the tour. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Evenepoel, is he worth the hype train, dude? The hype train for him is just unreal. It kind of seems like, I mean, he's won like San Sebastian. He's won climby stuff. I've seen him in other stage races that are getting towards climb heavy and he does really well still. Like, I don't know if, I don't see him winning the Giro this year, but I think in the next couple years, he could definitely win something. Yeah. Well, I mean, the dude is 20. What's I mean, let's not forget. It's ridiculous. Like, obviously, Bernal won the Tour last year at 21, so there's always... He's obviously... Evenepoel's not in the same category of rider, but he can definitely become that if he wants. It's like the hype train with Vanderpool or Van Aert or Sagan when he came up. Like, you know, people want to latch on to these, like... I mean, they're bright you know writers that have an uh i don't even know the phrase well i'd say they, they just like they seem, meteor right finish you know like rise they seem like do everything type writers so they automatically want to make them ride gc like sagan they're like oh well if he drops some weight he can ride gc and it's like maybe vanderpool can ride gc like they always want to push them on that so i think he's kind of in the same boat obviously he's got to be a little bit heavier since he's you know, really good at time trialing as well. Um, yeah. But that seems to be the thing. Like if you're kind of classics, climby, they're like, maybe you can ride GC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do that a lot. I, I never saw that. I saw it a little bit with Sagan just because he could do medium mountain stages in the tour. And like when he came, he was obviously very sprint focused. And then he started transitioning to classics and doing those medium mountains. And if he wanted to, he definitely could have, but, you know, watching Sagan now, it's like he would never have been interested in that. And so the same thing with Vanderpool and Van Art. I don't see them ever going to do GC work, but Vanderpool, I could definitely see him being interested in doing, um, going for a grand tour. Yeah. I mean, he's already kind of established that and 
being younger, maybe he's like, I can transform my body a little bit, but I, I see him doing that. Definitely not the other two. Yeah, I agree. So it'll be worth, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he develops. I don't know if he's, I mean, it's hard to argue him being worth the hype train. I know people are kind of just like over it because it's so much hype. And I can definitely understand that. He doesn't have any large results. You know, he's had a few big spikes, but nothing. He's only 20, so he doesn't have enough, you know, time in the World Tour to know. But I think uh, by next season, it'll people will know for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting too because he'll be a lot more marked now that he's won some things. There's always that element of surprise i guess with somebody new yeah well when he was 19 there was a lot of hype and people just kind of wrote him off and he did well i mean he was second in the the time trial championships you know against some really good classy riders so it's just amazing what he's been able to do and i think this giro will definitely um i think it will tone down the hype a little bit but it's still going to just solidify that he's actually legitimate yeah but i agree i don't think he's going to win but i think he'll have i think he's just going to try to do too much, almost like Simon Yates did, where he was attacking all the time. And I yeah. think he might be a little too aggressive. And um, I think it'll be a little bit tough for him in the high mountains, which he hasn't really had a lot of um, time against high-end riders. So it, I'm, I'm excited to see him in the Giro for sure. I mean, the Giro is going to be awesome, and the Tour is going to be awesome, which brings us to our next topic. You know, has Quickstep finally found their new Boonin with Julian Alaphilippe? Yeah, I mean, I guess um, you, you think that's more like a direct comparison between the two, or I feel like Alaphilippe can climb a lot better than Boonin. Yeah, I guess what I meant when I wrote that in the show notes, and you know, just to clarify, is we talked about with with Lefevre, he doesn't usually sign star riders, right? But he's put a long term contract in front of Venipol. I think it's like five or six years, and then with Alaphilippe, he's also found. And my like Boonin, what I mean is like the leader of the team. Like the team gotcha. is built around Alaphilippe. And so um, I can foresee that in the next couple of years changing to a Venipole, but for right now, like Alaphilippe is like the number one attraction in cycling as far as like results. He's just can do anything right now. He wins a lot of classics, like more hilly classics. He can win Star to Bianchi still. He can be competitive in any classic he wants to be. Plus, he can almost won the Tour de France on a, a just on an, on an accident. And so yeah. Um, his his future is so bright, and like I said, Lefevre is like he goes. You know what? This guy's a once in a generation rider. I want him on my team, and I want to keep him on my team. And so I, I think that's what I that's what I meant. Gotcha. Boonin like was their team for a decade, and I think we're gonna have that again with Alaphilippe. No, yeah, I think that makes perfect sense in that way. I, I think that's as far as you know him rotating out people. That's one of the few that that he won't. It, it would be pretty dumb to do that unless he has some significant drop off, but I don't see that happening at all. Yeah. It almost sucks that he never picked up Sagan. A Sagan on that team would have been insane, but he Dude, still had Boonin for a while there. That would have been cool. I don't know if I yeah. would have liked him. I probably still would have liked him as much, but of course he would have. <laughs> well, he probably, he would have probably won three times as many things as he has. Exactly. No. So going back to Alaphilippe, I think, you know, his his performance in last year's Tour de France was very exciting. I still think uh, Folkler's experience in yellow was way cooler, in my opinion. But, I mean, Philippe was just doing stuff that no one expected. I mean, you know, he had obviously those breakaway stages where he attacked and went down the descents, and, like, that's what you expect of him. And then you're like, all right, he's going to lose it. He's going to lose the yellow and whatever climb, and then he just does enough to keep it. And I'm like, all right, fine. He's going to lose it in the time trial. Yeah, and then he just comes and just wins the damn thing. Yeah, it was just like, insane. He'll be too tired. Like you know, he's good, but he'll be too tired, and it's like, no, I'm gonna win. <laughs> it's it's yeah. crazy. Blew me away. I never in a million years would have picked him to win that damn time trial. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Yeah. What do you think he'll do this year's Tour de France? I mean, looking at the parkour, it's like almost. I don't know, man. It's almost more dangerous. It's a tough call. Like, I mean, I guess I'd have to see what team they're bringing. Um, I don't know if he wants to go through all that again. It's kind of crazy. Like, I, I don't know if he'd have the same drive, like, you know, cause you're the first time you do it and everything's just, and everyone's kind of hyping you up. I, I don't know if it'll be the same. I think he'll go off and win some stages. Maybe he'll lose a little time on purpose. I don't know if he's going to go. I don't think he's going to go out like he did last year. 
Yeah, I think he'll want to be in yellow for a little bit. Yeah. So I do think on some of those that first week, there's a a few stages where he got to be in a break or or try to do a descent and, and do all that whole jazz. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I don't expect him to try to go for it. I don't expect him to try to lose time either. I don't, I don't think the team will let him. But yeah, he'll definitely be more marked. But there are a couple stages where there's some long climbs, and I think the peloton will try to break him a little bit just to keep him away. And I think he'll just be like, all right, fine. I'm not going to go through all this if I'm not close to yellow. If yeah. he gets in yellow, I think he'll try to do what he did last year. Yeah, I guess that's what I was kind of thinking. Like if, if it gets to a stage where like it could break him or to try to keep up, he'll just dial it back a little bit so that he can win other stages. Yeah, I think that's his main target. But, you know, he's just one of those riders. If he gets into yellow, he's not going to want to give it up. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, what um, before we get into young riders, the, the classics we kind of talked about it a little bit, you know, fun or boring or or whatever. Do you think we're? I, I mean, we can all just agree we're going to have more of that in this this year's classics. It's going to be a little different because some some riders aren't going, um, and because there's different GCs and different team um, goals. But yeah, what what are you expecting them to win this season? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I guess fun or boring. I'm going to say at least the last couple of years, it's made it a little boring. Um, just because they win in everything. This year, yeah. I, I think it could be a little less. Because, I, I mean, we were both looking at uh, Wout Van Aert coming back out and Vanderpool. So I think they're going to have a little more competition than they've had recently. Even with, you know, both... Yeah. You know their teams. I guess, I guess Mandipol's for sure not as deep, um, but I think just the quality of those two guys, I think they can latch on and and be pretty all right. So I think it'll be they'll be winning a little less in that, and maybe that'll make it a little more fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with like we said, we had Jasper Stoyvans looking really good. Dylan, one of the tunes. I always mess him up. Was it? <laughs> I don't remember. One of the tunes uh, is looking pretty good as well. And then we have, like you said, Vanderpool and Van Aert. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they're fun. Like I said, it, it is. It can be boring. Like it's tough. I'm a, I'm on both sides of the fence. I would like it to be a little more parody, but they just do what they do, man, and they just crush it. So it's just I don't know. I, I have both sides. It's tough for me to like say that it's both. But some days, some races are definitely boring. But even the races, there's some races where they're they're doing what they're doing, but it's still exciting. So, yeah, I guess it depends how it's raced. Is sometimes the big thing where it's just like nobody wants to attack and then or chase somebody down, and then everybody just sits. And they have so many people up front, they can just sit. And I guess that's what becomes boring. I don't even care as much that they win. It's it's just how it's raced sometimes. It's like watching the world championship sometimes because the Belgian team always has like six dudes, you know, like the yeah. full team and they're all like really strong because they're all like quick step riders basically. And so it's kind of the same thing in the world championships, but in that one, they never seem to win it seems. So I think people are kind of understanding their tactics better and are just kind of tired of it. And they're just like, well, this is what I'm going to have to do. And, and I think we're starting to break that a little bit, but yeah, definitely they are very suffocating almost like sky was during the tour de France. It can be very suffocating to watch. Yeah. But at the same token, you like just watching their domestiques crush on a, a mountain is just <laughs> cool to watch. But yeah, same thing with, for them. I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's both. So it's, it's, it's really tough for me. I, I can understand both arguments of people who hate it. And then people who are like, it's not so bad. Yeah. I'll stick with the, it makes it a little boring. Yeah, fair enough. You want to uh, get into these young riders, man? Yeah. Uh, so, first one that nobody's ever heard of, uh, Remco Venepol, is 20, uh, Belgian. He's second in the uh, individual time trial world championships last year, uh, first in the European individual time championships, uh, time trial championships. Uh, he won the Classic of San Sebastian. He won the Baloise Belgium Tour. And... Uh, like he took a stage there as well yeah uh, i'll handle this next one i'll let you get the uh, the last one there. there's three young riders on this team that are 
you know, that's one thing that we said earlier is Lafive likes to build writers up and get younger guys and, and not sign bigger names. So Fabio Jakobsen, 23, he's from the Netherlands. He won stage 21 and four of the Wel- the Vuelta. So that was Madrid and uh, whatever stage four was. He was he won a stage at the Tour of California. He won a stage at Tour of Turkey. He was first at Schilderprix. And he won stage one at the Volta Algarve. So very, he's a very good sprinter. He's very exciting. Um, I don't know which tour he's going to, but I'm going to try to pick him any chance I get. Yeah, for sure. Um, the last one is uh, Alvaro Jose Hodge from Colombia. So we got uh, another sprinter. Uh, and he won the Sparkasun Munsterland Giro. Not familiar with that one. Uh, he took a stage in the Bink Bake Tour. He won the uh, points and stage one and four of the Ionica race. Uh, you're going to throw some crazy name in here. Uh, the the Halen Vasgard Heisch. I'm not even going to try. Anything. Yeah, the re- I only put it up there because <laughs> of the competition that he won against. Yeah, so he took a sprint stage against uh, Philipson, uh, Buhani, and Kogard. Uh, and then he also took, uh, looks like, a stage of the Tour in Norway and a stage in the Tour of Columbia. So a lot of good quality sprint wins. Yeah, well, last year that that race was just called the Columbia. This year I think they switched it to Tour of Columbia. Mm. But yeah, um, I mean, these Colombians, man, whether they're sprinters or GC dudes or whatever, man, there's Colombia's just rocking up fire, man. Talent. Yeah. I always wanted to pronounce him Hodeg, right? But it's Hodge. Yeah, I think I saw something and he like clarified himself. He's like, that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. But yeah, he's looking pretty good too. He's young. So these sprinters, man, like they're just coming out of the gates. That's why I'm saying with like, even with Sam Bennett or these other guys, like you can't stay a top sprinter for very long. You know, it's very power focused. And so that's a young man's game. And they just kind of lose that earlier than a GC rider does. Like GC to me is almost a little like, not quite like golf where you get better as you get older. Like, you know, you just learn things better, but like you're 28 to 32 is like your prime. But with sprinters, like you start getting close to 30 and it just, it's a lot tougher. So, and you got, I mean, the competition is just fierce. Yeah. There's always new people coming up. And I I think the GC is more focused on endurance, which I think you can, and kind of muscle memory, which gets a little better with age until it drops off. Yeah, no, I'm excited. These young guys, obviously, Adventipol's in a league of zone, but Jakobsen and Hardage uh, are both pretty good sprinters that have, you know, they're they're getting stages and big races. So um, they're just, I, I'm expecting more from them this season. Yeah, and we'll see where they where they line up. But uh, real quick, you want to get into some 2020 victories already? They have a uh, 15, which is you know, just about what you expect from this team. And they just win all the time. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, short season, but they, Sam Bennett already took a stage of the tour down under. Stebar won a stage of the Vuelta San Juan. Uh, don't know what this one is, but Dries Devenens. Uh, Dude, it's the Cadell Evans great uh, ocean road race, otherwise known as Sigor. Yeah. Thanks for uh, clarifying that. I don't <laughs> want to type all that out, dude. That's too much. I think it was up further, so you could have copied and pasted, but, you know, whatever. Um, I know. I like how I spelled it out on one of them and not on the other. Yeah. Um, so Jakobsen won a stage at the Volta Comunicad Valenciana and a stage at the Volta Argov. Uh, and Abenopol won overall at the Volta San Juan. Uh, he won the time trial there, and he won... Uh, Overall, it looks like at the Volta Algarve as well, and the time trial there. Casper uh, Eskren won Kern Brussels Kern, and Remy Cavagna won the Fawn Arc Classic. Not familiar with that one. No, I, I wasn't familiar with it either. But yeah, I mean, Evenepoel just had a blistering season, you know, winning two small stage races in both of the time trials, and I think even won an uphill on that Volta Algarve. Um, so just crushing it at the beginning of the season so that's why everyone it just increased his hype train and so that's why everyone's just like he's a shoe in to win the giro yeah and i'll say i mean which leads to their exact team style super diverse wins with diverse people as well yeah well that's the thing like we, we've gone through these other teams and it's like 
one guy has like all their victories or there's two guys like this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. And I didn't even list some of the guys that won lower tier races even. So uh, I try to keep it to more of the higher profile pro continental and like above type races. So um, yeah, they just win with all their guys all the time. They don't have like one guy carrying the team every year. Yeah. It's pretty rad. I mean, as much as they win and it, it becomes, you know, frustrating if you want other people to win but it's uh it's it's pretty cool well like i agree but like the thing i like about it right is you're like oh this guy that has been doing a lot of domesticing and all these other races finally got his chance to win something and so you're just like it's just cool to see the plethora of riders who can all have the potential to win any day yeah that is true i think a big one for like uh Cavanya, he's i think the last season or so he's he's had some really cool like solo breaks and things like that where same thing being you know, a they can't chase down everybody, but he's obviously super strong and and just, you know, time trials away. Yeah, exactly. Well, leaves us with our final topic, better or worse than 2019. And so we'll have to define what that means. You know, looks like they won Paris-Roubaix. They won one, two, three of the monuments last season, right? Uh, is Flesh Malone, is that a monument? I can't, I think that is. Uh... I don't know if it's one of the traditional ones. Anyways. Well, they won Milan San Remo and Paris Roubaix. So they won at least two of them. Yeah. The Ardennes always screw me up. I never remember which ones are which. So I think Liege, Bastille, Liege is, but. Yeah. So I want to say it is, but I could. No, I'm thinking of uh, what's the other Ardennes? Maybe it is Flesh Wallon and Liege, Bastille, Liege. Anyway, anyone's trying to Bianchi. So really, the reality is they're going to have to win. What, how many races are they going to have to win this season to be classified as like on par with their traditional? They're not going to obviously get to 68 victories, but they're going to clearly be the best-ranked team anyway. I mean, I would say that they would have to win another 20 Yeah, to call it right. even. And how many, um, how many classics do you think they're going to... How many, how many monuments do you think they're going to win? You think they're going to win Milan-San Remo? Uh... I don't know. That one's going to be a weird one because it's going to be like the first one back. I mean, I'm going to say that they're going to be worse just based on two fantastic previous seasons. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'm on the same boat as you. I think they're probably going to win Tour Flanders. Mm -hmm. And I think Alaphilippe will win the Ardennes Classics. So I I think they're going to win three. I don't think they're going to win Juan San Remo. I don't know who's going to no, win. No, I don't think so. I feel like it's going Philippe to be... Philippe Well, that's what he wants, but I think it's going to be a wild card win. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so I think they're going to win those. Um, I don't know. Besides, I already called Van Aert winning Perry roubaix True. And started Bianchi. So those are covered. <laughs> but I, the reason I think... I'm going to choose them as better because I think they're going to win two or three monuments, but I think Sam Bennett is going to do some victories for them on his sprints, and then Evenepoel is going to win some stuff at the Giro as well. So I think that they will be a better team. Here's a real question. Say Bennett is at the Tour. Do you think he'll win enough sprints points to take the green jersey? Say Sagan's there. Say, you know, everybody who should be there is there. Do you think just... Because it's possible if you actually win a bunch of sprint stages. Because he can climb a little bit too. I think he'd be okay in medium mountain stuff. Uh, do you think that's possible? I don't. I, I think Sagan, unless Sagan just chooses not to try, it's too hard. His team relies on him getting the green jersey, but this year they're more GC focused than ever. But that doesn't mean anything because Sagan just has, you know, Oss, Daniel Oss, and they just he just solos and goes into a break. <laughs> so he's never really needed his team to win green. And that's, that's been a very good strength for them. So I don't see why he wouldn't go for green because it doesn't take much. If he yeah. gets a couple medium mountain stages and gets those sprint points, then it's just the competition's over. And he just needs to like be competitive in a few sprints and then by the third week, it's already mopped up, and he just has to make it through all the mountains. And like I said, this year, there's not a lot of high-altitude type stuff. So 
I think he'll be fine, and he's skipping the classics, so he really needs this for his season to be successful. Not that he cares anymore, but the 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 Giro is just for him. I don't even know why he's going. Uh, just for the dollars. The, <laughs> well, yeah, it's definitely money. So I don't. But I'm saying like he's not going there to. There's no like points jersey at the Giro, the Giro that I remember. So, um, uh, so he's not going to be competitive in sprints. It's that, so like. Uh... Ackerman won it last year. It's that um, kind of purpley maroon one. Yeah. Well, I guess I was more thinking like, do you think Bennett will be like dominant sprinting at the tour? Of, uh, I think he'll win. I think he'll win in uh, the Champs. I think he'll win that one for sure. And I think he'll win another. I think he'll win two. Okay, I was thinking like three, four. If like, no, think I think he'll, he'll win there. two. Okay. It, the there's only so many, and so the competition's going to be crazy, and I think they're going to be hectic, and I think we're going to have a couple where there's a crash or something, and then he gets he's not going to be in it, right? That's through true. no fault of his own. So um, that's just how the tour is very chaotic because it's so important for teams. So I think he'll win two, three at the most, but I, I'm I'm pulling for two, and uh, but between all that other stuff with them winning two or three monuments, I think it's just going to be a better season for them. Right. But he is going to the tour. I did look it up, so Sweet. he'll definitely be there. So that'll be exciting. I think the the Quick Step team will be really interesting. Um, but I think it'll be Alaphilippe and, and Bennett show. But I think I think Bennett will win too. That makes sense. I just it's just too competitive. You know, teams are going to be. You know, Caleb Ewan's going to be there, and he's obviously on fire. And um, well, it's and then- too many. Probably a couple of them that could be sprint stages. Alaphilippe's going to go solo, so <laughs> you're chasing down your own team. Exactly. So I, I just think I think Quickstep will win. I think Quickstep will win four or five stages in the tour. I think they'll win a breakaway with one of their guys, and then Alaphilippe will win two, and Bennett will win two. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I think that's uh, for them been a low estimate, but but I think that amount makes sense. Well, it's always interesting because there's 21 stages and you look at the end of the tour, it's only like how many teams ever end up winning a stage? It's always at like five, you know, or six. Yeah. So um, it's just kind of how it is. So I, I think Quickstep will be winning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them at five. So anything below five tour wins and two monuments, uh, they'll have to be worse. But I, I think they're going to have a better year. All right. Well, I guess we'll, we'll see here. Uh, not too far off now. Yeah, I'm gonna write this in the show notes, dude. I, I gotta write these predictions. I just make them up as I like off the top of my head, so we don't actually keep track of them. We're gonna have to find a way to to document these so we can. I'm gonna. I need to make like a predictions like document so we can write all. This I hope somebody's down. you know listening and call call it out later and be like, hey, you're wrong. Yeah, we'll see. Well, that leaves that finishes up this week. Next week we're gonna, you know, we have no more team breakdowns, but we do have some races coming up. We have started Bianchi coming up in a, a two weeks, so. Next week, we want to kind of do some breakdown race previews. You know, we want to talk about sort of Bianchi, who we think the favorites are, and possibly even talk about, um, I don't know if we want to do a Milan San Remo breakdown or if we want to do some tour stage breakdowns or what, but uh, we're going to finally get into some race previews again. Yeah, no, it's exciting. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, planning on being back for Strade, so get get the barbecue ready. All right, man. Yeah, do you know, I think they closed the... The store, their their location by my work is closed. I think only the uh, sunny slope. The sunny slope is open right now. Oh, I mean that's all right. Very interesting. You can still work. Yeah, that's not a big deal, but just interesting. But yeah, so we'll see you next week. Maybe I might even ride my bike this week. That's big news. <laughs> yeah, biggest news of the <laughs> biggest news of the episode for sure. All right, dude. See you next week. See ya.